Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, guys? It's Lauren Cottrell with the Believe Podcast Network with another week of Believe in TCU football. Guys, I'm very excited to announce that we have another host here today. I have my co-host for the rest of the season, an ex-TCU football player, John DeArce. John, do you want to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll get going. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's 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 me, JD, aka John DRS is what I tell people. Um, man, I'm excited. I'm excited uh to be a part of this organization, this 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 beautiful podcast. And I mean, it's talking TCU sports. Like, I mean, what what better thing to do during the day, right? Is talk TCU sports. So uh, I'm excited. Um, former uh TCU Horn Frog, 16 and 17. Uh before that I played at LSU. Um after TCU, I played a little bit with the Broncos and kind of made my tour uh, across the country playing football. Um, and then I just, by the grace of God, I just fell into podcasting. Um, I love it. Um, I listen to interviews all day long. If you ask any of my close friends, they'll probably tell you I'm listening to somebody um, on YouTube. So uh, this is a dream come true for me. And again, I'm, I'm excited to be, a, uh, to be a part of what we got going on. Well, I'm definitely excited to have you here because, you know, I mean, I'm on, I'm on the media side of everything, but it's, it's definitely nice to have a a football player who, you know, can really break everything down and we can talk some talk some sports here. So I yeah, guess yeah, do you wanna do go it. ahead and cut straight into the game from Saturday? Yeah, yeah, we can jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. So I had my preview, obviously, before uh before we were able to get you on here. And I'm not gonna lie, my my personal opinion was that TC was gonna pull out a win. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, SMU won 42-34 over TCU. Um, TCU's first loss of the season, um, which is sad, especially going into conference play next week. Um, Very true. Especially in the 100th meeting of the Iron Skillet. And crazy that this is the first time that SMU has won back-to-back since the 1992-93 season. So it's kind of a big deal yeah. for them, kind of a big deal for the Mustangs. Uh, what did you think? What did you think about this game overall? Um, I mean, even even the battle for the skillet, I mean, for it to be the 100th anniversary, like we always said when I was there, this is like uh, the Super Bowl, uh, so to speak, um, for, for Dallas versus Fort Worth. And uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a good game. It's exactly what we thought it would be. Um, you know, we would I, I would prefer it not be a shootout with, you know, 30, 40 points. But I mean, when you plan in either of those high-powered offenses where you're going super fast, like somebody's liable to score at some point, right? So, um, like I said, it was a hard-fought game. Um, saw a lot of things that, you know, I think we could have capitalized on, um, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more in details here in a second. Um, but I think for the most part, the, the boys fought hard, just ran out of time, you know, and that's uh, the unfortunate part about it is that, you know, the game does go by in a hurry, um, especially when you're trading points back and forth. So, you know, uh, it, it's tough loss. I mean, first loss, but I think uh, they carry this chip on their shoulder the right way next week going against Texas. I mean, we ought to have a pretty good battle next week too. And I think it's kind of interesting that you brought up uh, how, you know, when you played here, it was always kind of like going into the Super Bowl for you guys. That's really interesting because I feel like from a fan and media perspective, we almost think that, you know, SMU isn't in the Big 12. Um, you know, after their death penalty sentence back in the in the late 80s, that 
it really just isn't that big of a rivalry. Like fan-wise, we just think that, you know, there's bigger ones like Texas and Baylor and bigger conferences. So that's interesting that you say that. Um, and, you know, and I, I even heard Coach P say that he believes that SMU wanted it more, and that's kind of what what led to the demise. But, um, yeah, I guess do you want to expand a little bit on that about, like, how the players feel about this game going into it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – I mean, you, you're totally correct. Like, obviously, there's bigger rivals out there, um, I, I think. I mean, to agree with you with, you know, Baylor and Texas being two of them. Um, I mean, even West Virginia, Oklahoma as well. I mean, it's almost like we got a rival with everybody uh, for the most part. But um, I agree with Coach P, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I was telling uh, some of my, my younger kids this the other day, some, some younger football players, like – with football, it's like it's black and white. It's like the guy that really wants it the most and that's willing is going to win it every time. And so it doesn't matter, you know, about talent, doesn't matter about speed, height, weight, none of that. It's whoever decides to win on that particular play is going to win. And I think they left a lot of plays. And I say they TCU, I think TCU left a lot of plays out there that they could have won. Um, and ultimately, you know, we would have, I think we would have won the game. But, you know, it, it's so tough to, you know, pick and point at like which play could have made the difference um, because every play makes a difference, right? Like field goal that's made after a, a touchdown makes a difference or um, whether you score after you pick up a fumble or interception makes a difference. Like, so like so many different plays that make a difference in a game. Um, but going back to my original point, like even what coach P said, just the guy that wants it more is going to win. And Unfortunately, they they wanted more plays than TCU did. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just going right into it, uh, I always like to talk about the offense first, kind of what they did, what they didn't do. And, you know, you you placed it on that there wasn't one specific, you know, play that really led to our loss this past Saturday. Um you know, but there are there are a lot of things, like a lot of collective things that definitely led to that. And I guess starting off with our offense, you know, Max Duggan had an okay game, 276 yards, but, you know, his two fumbles in the second quarter are kind of almost what put us behind. You know, we weren't able, we weren't able to get those, like you said, it was a shootout in the beginning and we weren't able to keep up, keep up with that, which is, you know, it put us behind and there was really no coming back from that afterwards. Um so yeah, I guess what's your opinion on the offense from this past weekend? Um, I agree with you. Uh, those two fumbles are—they definitely hurt. They definitely hurt because whether you lose possession or not, like that's five yards. You know, depending on where you you know fumbled at. You know, um, whether it's fumble snap, it's fumbled out of bounds, whatever. Like it's a loss of yards, and so they kind of put you behind when it comes to you know talking. You know, stand on schedule with the change, you know, first and 10, second and 10, third and 10, stuff like that. So um, I think, you know, those two mishaps definitely were not helpful. Uh, but I'll say just looking at some numbers here, and I'm on the ESPN app just looking at stats. Um, I mean, 50% on third down. Um, for those listening, third down is like one of the most important plays of football. Like, <laughs> like if you if you don't truly understand all the the, the technicalities of football, if it's third down, I guarantee you something important is about to happen. Um, and we were 50%. That's not bad. Six out of 12. Um, put the ball in the air a lot. Um, but we didn't have many completions, I'll say. Um, there were some miss, some missed passes, whether they were dropped or whether, you know, 
we were inaccurate with the pass. I mean, either way, we got to connect down the field, right? Um, Zach Evans does an amazing job. I mean, he's an amazing player. Um, and, you know, he, he seems to be the lightning uh, in the bottle for us. But, you know, for for football fans out there and guys and former players, like we understand, like when it comes to offense, both sides, both parts of the offense have to be clicking, the rushing and passing. And I think that's just kind of where we kind of got hung up at, you know. Um, we didn't have as many rushing yards as we, as we normally would or should. Um, and we didn't have as many completions as we, as we normally would or should. So, uh, all of that stuff plays a, an effect. Like I said before, no one play makes the difference on the game. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, 400, 446 yards total is awesome. But it's not so good when you know you could have, you know, done a lot better. You could have rushed for more yards. You could have made some more completions. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as I think one of the bigger things that, that kind of gets brushed over is the penalty yards um, that they had. They had over 60, they had 61 yards in penalties. And I mean, think about that. I mean, even if you split it up 30 for uh, rushing, 30 for passing helps, you know, helps those numbers. Um, and so, you know, when you got penalties and stuff like that and you turn the ball over, like it just, it just creates a downhill, you know, pattern uh, for your offense. So they just got to clean it up. something you can't come back from after that, you know, after so yeah. many. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, after so many, it's just like, yeah, we got to toss this one up and go to the film and, and figure it out from there. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think, you know, the connectivity was kind of, it's kind of something that, you know, our offense has had or receivers and, you know, Duggan has had an issue with uh, for the first three games, more so uh, Cal and SMU now, because I mean, Duquesne was pretty much a blowout, but um, yeah, that connectivity downfield and, you know, his accuracy and, you know, just connecting with those receivers downfield is something that our offense has really struggled with, just like you said. And that's something, again, you know, they're just going to have to work on it and, you know, hopefully come out, come out better once we, once we, you know, the competition's only going to go up. So once we get towards those bigger rivals, hopefully uh, they'll kind of figure that out. And it is still early in the season, but, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up Zach Evans. I think he's definitely a silver lining here in this offense. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 I'm, I don't want to say this because I'm going to go ahead and ask that question later, but, you know, he had 113 rushing yards, uh, 70 receiving and one touchdown. Um, and, you know, I've, I've read a lot of articles. I always do. And, you know, there's just not one bad thing to say about the guy. I think he's just uh, he's a really great asset to this offense. And, um, you know, I'm glad that he's able to be here here with us yeah. and uh, helping us out. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Lauren. I mean, I, I was on the sideline during the game. And one of the things that stood out to me is just his leadership. Um, he, he made a phrase. He said a phrase that I've never heard before. Um, he said, little run, little run, big run, little run, little run, big run. And as long as I've been playing football, I've never heard it put that way. Um, but to kind of put that in layman terms, a little run is like three to five yards and a big run is like 10 plus. Right. So if you notice the pattern in the game, it's little run, little run, big run, little run, little run, big run. And once he said it to me and I started watching the offense from that standpoint, I was like, OK, this kid knows something that like. A lot of people don't know, or he's looking at it from from a standpoint that, you know, he understands the game. He understands when it's his time to make a play. And I mean, he clearly has a good feel for that. So, yeah, I definitely think he's by far the silver lining in uh, TC's offense. 
Well, I think, you know, going off of that, I, th- I think knowledge is power when it comes to football. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of the, of the guy, but I'll, re- I'll, I'll, I'll relate it to Tom Brady. It's okay. But, you know, I mean, like, he's a great quarterback, hands down. But, you know, his knowledge of the game is just insane. And that's what gets yeah. him, you know, that's what makes him just this amazing quarterback and this amazing leader and I think that's the same as Zach Evans you know it's the it's the yeah you know he's a great leader and you know he's a great player but the knowledge of the game and you know knowing what's going to come next and that's that's really what's going to get you ahead you know when it comes to football yeah yeah without a doubt it's it's playing the next play is mm-hmm. is what uh is a term I heard before it's like playing the next play like Obviously, you know what play you're about to run, right? Mm-hmm. You know what you need to do to execute, but you're already thinking next play, next play, next play. And mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, all, all hats off and caps off to the GOAT, Tom Brady. I mean, I think he does it better than anybody in understanding, like, that next play mentality. So, yeah, man, I mean, they got something special in Zach, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think we should switch over to our defense now. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about our defense. Uh, you know, we started off slow. Um, yeah. You could see that, you know, the defense started to pick up there in the second quarter. And, you know, in my opinion, I think we kind of lost him again in the second half. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I think we have a lot of really great guys, but I think, you know, that communication and, again, with the offense, the connectivity was just kind of something that was lacking um, yeah. in this game. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think? What are your opinions on that, too? Um. The defense, um, I think, obviously losing some some big guys on defense last year uh, is a huge thing, right? And Wallow and uh, and Trey, like that, that's huge. That's the middle of your defense and your your captain on the back end of the defense. So losing those two guys are definitely um, definitely you know holes in, in your defense. But also, you know, I, I I believe that the defensive line had a couple guys out. Um, had like two or three guys, two or three starters out. And so that that puts a lot of stress on your linebackers who have to make play after play after play um, when you really can't get, you know, a, a stop up front. And, I mean, just looking at it, SMU had 350 rushing yards. So obviously there's something going on between the linebackers and the defensive line that's got to be figured out. But like you said, I mean, I, I think there's points in the game where there wasn't – there was miscommunication – um, there were guys that aren't really used to being in those situations and having to make those plays because of the youth on the back end. Um, but, you know, I think that on the upside of it is that Coach Pete understands that. He sees that. He knows that. And he's been in this situation before. So for those guys to get better week in and week out, I think they're only going to get better, you know, um, just because Coach Pete demands that. Um, he's the only defensive coach I know that – knows the offensive play before it's called, like based on how the guys are lined up. And so, you know, I think once the younger guys on defense start to see the game from Coach P's standpoint, they're going to be able to make plays a lot quicker, a lot faster, and be more aware of when it's their time to make a play. So, um, like I said, they got a lot of things to clean up. Got to get some guys back healthy. But like I say, I, I see this group going up, only up from here. Because like you said, the competition is only going to get better. And I know Coach P is going to crack down a little bit harder. So, I mean, they, they got their hands full for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, TCU kind of is known for their reputation on defense, uh, I think. And, you know, it's rare 
for TCU to allow a non-conference team to, you know, rack up more than 400, uh, more than 400 yards on their offense. Uh, but, you know, it, it has happened already twice for us this season, um, which is a little disappointing. But, you know, again, it is, like you just said, it's it's about those reps. And I think the more the more they get going this season, hopefully they'll they'll start to connect a little bit more and, um, and definitely, uh, you know, figure out, figure out kind of what Coach P's thinking because, you know, you know he's always thinking. Um, you know, but I kind of saw something that – it was a little interesting to me. Uh, you know, they – our defense this week, you know, kind of made, kind of made SMU's, uh, you know, running backs and wide receivers look like all American, all American players. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I agree with you. Like guys running free, guys breaking uh, what we call explosive plays. So depending on what team you're part of, an explosive play is any play on offense that's more than 25 yards, and SMU had plenty of those. And so when you think about it, though, I'm not necessarily sure if SMU just has those guys this year, that they have guys that can play, or if that was just a huge lack in communication on defense, you know. Um, I mean, all, all hats off to Coach Dykes and, and, his, and his crew over there. I mean, they have a pretty good team from what I saw. Like, I, I, there's, you know, obviously I'm biased, you know, but, you know, if we call them spades of spades, like, their team is pretty good. Like they were able to execute and that's what matters at the end of the day. You know, can you execute when it's your turn? And they definitely had guys that could do it. So, you know, it's it's not something that we normally see for sure. It's not. Uh, but, you know, every 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 dog has his day, as they say, every dog has his day. And uh, unfortunately, SMU had the day on Saturday morning. Well, you know, and I kept saying, too, that uh, I really thought this game was going to come down to the defense. You know, I thought on offense, uh, on paper at least, I thought our offenses were pretty uh, pretty neck and neck, I thought it was going to be, which, you know, in the first half it was with the shootout and stuff. And, you know, there were a few things that, that led to our, uh, our getting behind, I guess. But, you know, I think it really did come down to the defense on this game. And, um, you know, I, you bringing up Coach Dykes and stuff, I, I saw him say something that, you know, they've they've kind of been underappreciated almost and overlooked um, ever since, like I said, their death penalty in the 80s. And, you know, that's right. just something that he's trying to overturn. And, um, you know, I think they have done a really good job. And people just – I think one of the biggest things for us is that people almost just don't expect it from SMU. But over the past few years, they have been getting really good. And they, yes. they do have a great offense. And I think it's just, you know, overall, it was a really good game. And props to them for, you know, showing up and – coming out and getting what they wanted um but yeah I think people definitely do overlook that team yeah they I I, I agree I, I would definitely say that they're overlooked a lot of the time and but they do put out NFL talent at the end of the day uh it's always somebody from their school that's either getting drafted or getting picked up or something like that so definitely hats off to coach Dykes and his crew um but I mean even us talking about that I, I think it, it brought up something in my mind, and I want to ask you from a fan standpoint because I know how I feel about it as a player, as a former player, uh, but I'm curious as to what you think from a fan standpoint. Like, what do you think about the morning games, like TCU morning games? Do you think the energy is the same? Do you think, like, you know, the motivation is there to play? Like, what do you see, like, as a fan? No. 
no and it, and it's funny like uh you know like we are at home and so uh at home advantage is is a big thing in in football and you know this doesn't have to do with the team I'll get to the team after but I mean my mom came to the game this weekend and she was kind of saying something about how SMU had this really small student section and how they were on the other side of the field from her and we have the entire 50 to both 40s kind of 35 yard line entirely filled up with our yeah. student section and she was saying that she could hear the SMU kids over over TCU and you know that does have a big effect I mean I guess correct me if I'm wrong but I think that has a big effect on you know how the football team reacts almost too. you know if their fans don't have the energy they're not going to have the energy yeah. um you know but I definitely do think that the 11 a.m games bring a different a different energy it's it's early it's um you know yeah. you don't really have time to prep yourself you get out of bed and you go um where mm -hmm. I feel like you know the 7 p.m games it's prime time people are like you know, let's do this. Let's go. We've been prepping all day. Even the two thirty games, you have a little bit of time to prep yourself. And um, but yeah, I definitely do see a different energy with the uh, the eleven a.m. games, which will be interesting because we have an eleven a.m. for Texas next week too. <laughs> right, right. We get it right back to back, man. And just so people know, like from a player standpoint, it is not easy uh, preparing for eleven o'clock game. Um, I, I'll never forget my first one. Um, I was. I had just transferred from LSU and you know LSU is on primetime TV every weekend, whether it's three o'clock or whether it's 7 p.m. So like I'm after 12, like I'm good, you know, but we're waking up. I get a TCU. We got 11 o'clock game against I think we played Baylor um, or SMU one or two. And um, I got to get up at like seven and get ready to play, get ready to play a ball game. And it's like it's it's a it's a mental battle. I can't lie. It's a mental battle. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that comes with the territory. And to allude to the point that you said, I, I, I agree with your mom. Like, I definitely heard SMU's student section far more than ours. And for, you know, for obvious reasons, obviously, they're winning, right? Um, but, you know, I think with the expansion of the stadium, uh, the amount of people that we can now hold, and with COVID pretty much not existing um, in ball games, I, I, I would expect that – you know, this Saturday at 11 a.m., the place should be standing room only and, like, it should be action-packed loud. So, yeah, man, it's, it's those 11s are different. They're, they're a little different. <laughs> well, especially with who we were playing, too. I think right, – right, right. I mean, it's not like we were playing Duquesne at 11 a.m. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> – I know Duquesne was our first bat from COVID, but I I saw yeah. more more energy then, and I know it was a 7 p.m. game, but, you know, I, right. I saw more energy for Duquesne than I did for our giant – iron skillet rivalry that we haven't had in two years so yeah i think that's Absolutely. that's interesting that you brought that up oh yeah so they'll figure it out they got it they got another one so they gotta they gotta figure it out some kind of way put it together so we'll for see for sure for sure and i uh, john i always like to ask uh who in your opinion was the mvp on offense for tcu this week um i think it goes without saying and zach evans um i mean the kid can do a lot and TCU has been really good about finding uh, running backs like that. Um, even before I got there, um, AJ Green and all those guys that were there. And then when I was there, it's Kyle Hicks, it's uh, Jed Anderson, Shea Woe. Like they've always figured out how to get these very versatile backs. Um, and I mean, it, it's right up, it's the same with Zach, you know, exact same way. Like Zach can get out in space you know he can catch he can run he understands vision he know how to set up blocks and one thing I was I was excited to see is him break away from people 
you know, that breakaway speed, right? Because anybody can catch a ball or run a ball, break one tackle and go get 20 yards, right? Um, but for somebody to do all of that and then break away from the defense and score, like that's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely think Zach, you know, by far earns that right uh, this week as the MVP. Absolutely. I'd have to agree with that. Uh, you know, not to, not to be blunt or I guess to be blunt, but, you know, I think he was definitely the – one of not the only good thing coming out of our offense this 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 game, but definitely one of the best or the best coming out of our offense this this game. So, uh, I guess yeah. moving on to our defensive MVP, um, I'm gonna. Oh, I had a tie. Yeah, um, tie. Okay, this tie. is interesting. I know. In in the first half, I'd have to go with D Winters. I think he really yeah. showed up. Um, had some yeah. really good stops. He had that first pick there. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, kind of overall and in the, in the second half, we, I have to go with Wyatt Harris. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Both linebackers. I'll yes. take that. I'll yes. take that. Yeah. 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 They had to make a lot of plays on Saturday, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of tackles, a lot of plays. Um, and I don't disagree with that. I, I definitely, I definitely will say that both of those guys, if that if that weren't their best their best game, it was up there in in, in top you know top performances or whatever. Because um, like I said, they were all over the field, and I mean, under, I understand when one linebacker gets an interception, but when both of them get one, mm-hmm. yeah, you got you you got some problems in there that the offense will have to deal with at some yeah. point. Yeah, man. So yeah, I can't disagree. Mm-hmm. I can't disagree with those two guys. Which, you know, is actually kind of interesting for me because I think uh, Tanner Mordecai has really showed himself, you know, this this season so far with SMU. And I think, I mean, you know, he's the he's the leading leading quarterback with uh, touchdown passes now at 20 yeah. after this past game uh, already for the season. And they're four games in. But, you know, it, it definitely says something that he threw three interceptions in one game. Uh, so yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's tough. That's interesting. But that's kind of something, I mean, you know, they're going to have to figure out. But, you know, something kind of interesting that I wanted to talk to you about uh, with everything going on with Big 12 expansions and UT and OU leaving for the SEC here in a few years. um, Why, in your opinion, do you think that we didn't we didn't kind of look into SMU coming into the Big 12? Um, That's a good question. That is a really, really good question, uh, to be honest. Um, and you know, not that I know like a lot about it, you know, uh, but this is just my opinion. I think that money has a lot to do with, with it. Um, ticket sales, you know, attraction, um, you know, they got the, uh, the NIL now name, image and likeness that plays a part in it. Um, marketing plays a part in it. So like, I think that there's a lot of pieces that go into choosing who's in what conference Mm -hmm. and not that SMU isn't talented enough. I just think in some other areas, they kind of lack or or they don't match um, the expectations or, you know, whatever, especially as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, without a doubt, man, it's it's just some, some things that, that, you know, don't necessarily, I won't say don't, doesn't qualify them, but things that that'll be frowned upon. Um, compared to other teams in the Big 12. But, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think they could survive mm-hmm. for the most part, I think. I think they could survive. Yeah. Well, after what we saw on Saturday, they might be able to. <laughs> <laughs> most certainly. 
And I guess last question here yeah. that, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about. What are you? What do you think, in your opinion? Uh, do we need to work on as as a whole team? Uh, you can either do defensively, offensively, before we go into conference play next week. Um, I think above all else, even before offense and defense, I think above all else, I think the leadership needs to be taken up a notch. Um, and it's hard to ask, you know, out of a young guy who hasn't played a lot. Um, or even a guy who has played every snap since he showed up on campus. I just think there needs to be a better vocal and, and you know, obviously showing example of a leader on the, on the team. And, you know, typically that comes from your, your senior class, but sometimes it can come from younger guys too, depending on what kind of respect he has from the team. But um, I think leadership first, uh, first and foremost. Offensively, I just think that we got to find those connections on the outside with the receivers. I mean, Zach is an amazing talent. He can do it all, apparently. Uh, but, you know, when you get deeper into the season, those 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 hits start kind of adding up, you know. Um, you never play 100%. Mm -hmm. It doesn't it, – it don't matter who you are. Like, the minute you put on pads, you get hit for the first time, like, that number goes down, and it goes down fast depending on what position. But uh, we got to get some connections with the receivers. So whatever Max and the guys got to do to figure it out, you know, they got to figure it out pretty quick because uh, these next couple games going into conference is going to be a test for sure. Um, defensively, it's just like you said earlier, the guys just getting reps, the guys locking in, the guys seeing the game from Coach P's standpoint or viewpoint um, because we know – or. I know because Pete probably watches more film than anybody <laughs> that I've, that I've met. Um, and I think once those younger guys kind of get on that same wave, same system, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll come up with some big stops. Um, but like I said, those young guys just got to learn a little bit faster and uh, just play a, a lot more comfortably, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. not thinking so much, just play comfortably. So um, leadership, connections with the receivers and then younger guys just getting their reps no absolutely I completely agree with all of that and I guess you know kind of going off of the, the the connections on the offense I think you know I've always thought I'm a, I'm a huge Cowboy, Cowboys fan uh, I've always been an Ezekiel Elliott fan and you know I think something that kind of led to uh, Ezekiel Elliott having a tougher time in his sophomore year and, you know, years after that is that he's just so well known now. And, you know, the defenses really look at him. And yeah. I think that's definitely something that, you know, the uh, the defenses in the Big 12 are going to start, you know, looking at Zach Evans as, you know, our star player. And he's going to, they're going to start really deeply looking at him and, you know, seeing what he's going to do. And I feel like, you know, if they don't start connecting with those receivers and using them a little bit more that he could become, um, uh, I don't know the word for it, I guess, uh, known, you know, like they're going to kind of know yeah. what he's going to do, he's, you know? Yeah, he's the target. He's yeah. definitely going to be the target. Yeah, there's yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, and you see that a lot, though. Like like you said, even with the, with the Zeke situation, like the Cowboys are definitely – they're figuring it out now that, you know, you got to have guys on the, on the outside like Amari Cooper and uh, CeeDee Lamb, like, you got to have guys out there that can make plays too. Um, so the defense, you know, can never really know what's coming. Um, but, you know, I, and I, and I know TCU have that. I know they have guys like that. Um, Tay Barber, obviously has been there for a while and all the D Davis, you know, obviously uh, Q Johnson, like they got guys on the edge that can make plays. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of getting them the ball a little bit more 
and keeping that defense, you know, on their toes. Oh, for sure. I I had huge hopes for Quentin Johnston this this season. You know, I think he's a really yeah. he's a really great player, um, and I think he's open quite a lot of quite a lot of times downfield there. Um, but you know, again, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's the connecting. It's really the connecting, and you know, it's the leadership right. that you talk about. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think those are some things that they could work on this week, and hopefully, we'll shine bright next week against UT. Oh yeah. We got to, man. We got to put know. those longhorns to bed, man. I we know. Got to put them to bed. Come to. on, for three years in a row, we got to do it. Especially yeah. after, especially yeah. after it, losing. It only feels right. I know, especially after losing to Arkansas, yes. and they're about to go to the SEC. We got to show them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, mm-hmm. we want to thank go you ahead so and much. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, yeah, we definitely want to send them off to the to the SEC on a bad note. For sure, oh yeah. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we got to take care of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Again, TCU is facing off at home next week at 11 p.m. or sorry, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time at Amanji Carter Stadium against the University of Texas. It is TCU's first conference game this season. Coming off of our first loss, it's going to be an interesting game. You can go ahead and tune in on Friday to hear me and John's preview slash predictions of this game. We can't wait to see you guys back. Again, drop any comments or opinions that you guys have below. And we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.